grateful that yesterday we were able to start up our fall sports season with football conditioning. And very shortly on August 26th, we'll have all of our fall sports going. As I stand here today at Veterans Stadium, it is my hope, along with the thousands of other high school athletes in the state, to have a chance to compete for a state title, such as football will in this very field. One way we can guarantee the safety of all that participate and a full season to occur is to take the initiative and get vaccinated if not done so well. We want to make sure that all the athletes get a chance to get back on the fields, all the students get back into the classrooms, and the best way we know right now from a medical point of view is to get the vaccine. This right here is for you, baby! And welcome once again to the Meat Grinder, your weekly dose of high school football in Connecticut. And I am your host, Sean Patrick Bowley, and with me as always, Pete Waga. And it has been 630, well, when by the time Friday or Thursday rolls around, it has been 636 long, grueling days since we last played a real high school football game in Connecticut. Forget that independent stuff. God bless you if you did that. But a real high school football game in Connecticut. And it all systems look like they are go. We're going to be back playing again. Thank the good Lord. I cannot wait. It has been far too long. We are back with another season of the Meat Grinder. The last two years have been an absolute slog. But like everybody, we're just... We, We've been bickering and talking to each other and trying to figure out who's doing what and when and all these previews. And we're finally ready to play football. And that, my friends, I cannot wait. So welcome back. Thanks for joining us. We're gonna, we have a jam-packed show for you here. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit with Drew Crone, the great quarterback of Xavier, to give us a little bit of his perspective and the player's perspective on what the last two years have been like. And let me tell you, let me tell you, it has not been great. We haven't, we've talked to plenty of coaches, especially during this previous season. We have not talked to a lot of kids. Drew was uh, kind of like the face of the get vaccinated initiative by CIAC in the governor's office. Uh, and uh, we thank him. He's going to talk to us a little bit about that. Um, and we're also going to be joined by our new full-time columnist, Jeff Jacobs, joining the show. He's going to run down the top 10 with us in a little bit. And, uh, you know, later on, uh, in another segment, we're going to have our, our much-anticipated pick section. It's going to be separate. There's going to be a lot going on here. But just I'm just going to just tell you I'll throw Andy back. Pete, welcome. How you doing? What's going on? Be ready for some football, as they say. I, I can't wait to get back. Um, just quickly to the listeners, I miss you. I missed all of you. Uh, I love all of you. Uh, it's been a long, long time since we last got to do this. The last episode we recorded was at uh, the Sandy Hook Bar Restaurant with the four championship teams. And that was a great day. I mean, to sit there with the four championship coaches, uh, players from all the teams to talk about their championship. I remember we took a photo and it was like there were so many of us. And I just remember thinking when we left, I think I said this to you, Sean, I was like, this is this is what we always thought the show should be. 
And we always, you know, we felt like we got to that pinnacle at the end of the 2019 season and we were ready to build in 2020 on it and everything got halted. So now we're back, we're restarting it. It's kind of crazy. You know, you read some of these previews and we're like, the coaches who finally made the playoffs after a long time. And it's like, they have to start over. And for us with this podcast, we finally got to that pinnacle. I thought where we were firing on, on all cylinders and now we have to restart, but I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to, to talk to you about high school football when it's not on the phone um, or we're texting. So it's finally nice to have this platform back to talk. And I just, I just missed everybody so much. Yeah. No, it's, it was a really, it was a hard, hard two years. I mean, almost two years. Uh, last fall was a slog for all of us. I mean, we had, you know, the CIC canceling the season at the, you know, back and forth, back and forth. Will they or won't they kind of putting the kids through the meat grinder, so to speak, you know, but their emotions rather than their, you know, their, you know, their physicality. And uh, it was just, it was hard for, it was hard for us, you know, because we're trying to do the right thing here. We, we thought that, you know, we could play, but we also understood the, the, you know, this, the, how scary this, this, you know, this pandemic was and, what we had to do to kind of uh, make sure everyone was playing safe. We talked to doctors. We talked to other people. The doctors say, look, it would be better off if you didn't play. A lot of people thought otherwise. A lot of people across the country thought otherwise, and they played. Now, could we have played? A lot of coaches here, a lot of coaches here, I say, I would say a majority of them, if not all of them, thought we could have played last, last year. The cases were low. Now we're entering a season where like everyone's vaccinated. Yes. Or or at least in this state, a good 70% of our population here or two thirds, at least are vaccinated in Connecticut. And that number's still climbing. We're very good here, but you know, now we have a really a national nationwide uptick of Delta variants and all that kind of scary stuff. But we know so much more about what's going on with the virus. We know a lot more. And it just looks like since, you know, with vaccinations and everything and the fact that you really can't get it, the transmission is very minimal outdoors. We saw a CIC do a lot of uh, look at that. Um, yeah, it's safe to play. Now, what will that entail uh, if teams or kids on teams get it or in school and things like that? I don't know. Right now, the CIC is staying very positive. Coaches are wringing their hands a little bit. But I'm going into this, Pete, like we're full go. It's normal as possible. It was nice seeing everyone out at North Haven the other night. Um, with hand, I saw them in a scrimmage. I saw Xavier in a scrimmage versus Southington. We didn't have to worry. We weren't thinking about masks. We weren't thinking like we were outside wearing masks during the uh, spring a little bit for uh, a little bit, but it doesn't seem like we're going to be doing that now. Cross your fingers. Pray to God that we get through this thing. All right. We can get back to playing football in this state. Well, it looks like we're on for now. Um, you know, Thursday's kickoff. So we'll be Ansonia will be kicking off and returning us back to football. And then we got a whole full plate of games on Friday and Saturday. Um, I, I just miss the atmosphere. I miss being on the sideline. I miss, you know, the passes, the, the hits, you know, all that stuff. I just, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be back. Like you said, we do have an action pack show or we have an, we have a pack show and there's a lot going on. Um, so, you know, I'm just I'm just happy to be here, to be honest with you. Like, I just I can't stop smiling. You sound like a pitcher. You just got called up. Just happy to be here. Just Hope happy to be here. Want to put my t- yeah, I want to help the ball club. Just want to put my time in. But I mean, it is really true. It was great going to scrimmages and talking to coaches, talking to players, just seeing everyone out there again, playing a real football game or, you know, joint practices or scrimmages and it's a much different conversation that we're having with coaches than, than we were a year ago. Yeah. 
Yeah. Just a quick programming note that uh, we have been writing. Our staff has been hard at work. Pete and I hard at work. I mean, I only went to my first scrimmages last week. I saw I Sonia Shelton. Uh, usually that's one I see last. So that was the first one this time I saw that. And then I saw Xavier in Southington and I saw uh, North Haven in the end of North Haven versus Ham. And, uh, you know, uh, it's getting a little colder outside. That was nice. But um, I'm still trying to figure out who's doing what and, and who's got what. And, and it was kind of a different conversation. You know, it was like everyone just seems to be kind of up in the air about what they're doing. But we've been doing our best as a staff as a group to get as much information out there as possible. You have a bunch of coaches who are just kind of shrugging their hands. They have no idea. Uh, but then you have a bunch of other guys uh, who seem pretty confident. You know, I've, you know, teams like, uh, you know, like, like Cromwell Portland, I'm going to throw them out there uh, uh, first. They're fired up about this season. You know, a lot of people love Darianne. We'll get into the top 10 and see where they fit in there. Uh, a lot of people like Windsor, a lot of people like, uh, from the they like Xavier Drew Crone and Xavier and Southington and Maloney being another one. So just a lot of excitement about this season. Um, you know, even if we did play last season, it would have been the real season if we really want to be honest. And that was kind of a, a you know a saving grace there. We weren't going to crown any state champions and stuff like that. I feel awful, awful about the kids who didn't get a senior season. I mean, it's but at the same time, and you know, Pete, I, I went to a went to Shelton's. Uh, graduation. They had a graduation for the football players. And first of all, shout out for Shelton. It was me. Uh, the two speakers there, Pete, were me and Dan Orlovsky. <laughs> Dan Orlovsky was doing... Now, this is earlier. This is the first time. That was my first public event, Pete, that I went to after being locked down for... It was, I think it was like June. So three months, we're locked down. And I went up there, and I'm trying to read this speech that I wrote up the night before, and I got a glare sun. I'm sweating and everything, and I completely flubbed it. But the message I tried to convey to the Shelton seniors there, and I hope they took it to heart, was basically like, if you guys, you guys had to, you know, you guys had to, they, they didn't, they actually had their senior season. But the message there was, if you can get through this, you can get through anything. They had some disappointment. They, they didn't get to the state playoffs. And I just, that was the message. If you can get through this, and now we're dealing with unprecedented pandemic as once in a century thing. If we can get through this, we can get through anything. And I hope, and I know a lot of coaches out there took that to heart. And a lot of them were saying, you know what? You know, I'm just so thankful. I think that's a big thing. I'm thankful to be playing and I'm not taking this season for granted. I'm going to give it all my all. And I think that's a great message going forward. The last thing I'm going to say about that is Dan Olofsky then upstage me. He is a, a great public speaker. If you want someone for your college uh, or your high school graduation, Danny O is a great guy to get upstate. Speaking, Dan, if you're listening, please come on the show. Oh, we need I've been trying. There. I've been trying for two years. I know you're really busy, uh, but I've been trying to get you for two years. I'd love for you to be on the show. I think a lot of kids in this state look up to you. And uh, I think it would be great to have you on this platform. That's just a little pitch for Dan. If you're, I mean, he's got to be a listener to the show, right? Uh, yeah, listen, he he favors all our stuff and he's on our Instagram page. So, you know, he was he was watching all our, our, our lacrosse coverage. You know, his 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 boys are all lacrosse players. So but, uh, you know, I wonder. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I wonder what uh, what's what's going to be like this year. Uh, I, I'm, I'm excited, Pete. Um, I don't know what else to say. I mean, uh, it's just, I think excitement. Know. I think that's a great word. And I think, you know, we, we you know, we're going to get to the interview with Drew Cronin a little bit. But, you know, he used the word excitement. I don't want to spoil the interview, but you talk to a lot of kids. They're just excited. They're just excited to be out there. They're excited to have pads on. They're excited to hit someone. Some of these kids are excited to get hit. And I, I think excitement's the perfect word to 
to use for how any of us are feeling. Yeah, it's going to be really weird. I mean, I think the, I, if there's one saving grace, I know like a lot of these kids never played varsity before. It's going to be a whole new experience. But that's the thing. Everyone's going to be in the same boat. You know, it's not it's my first time playing varsity. Hey, it's your time. First time, too. It's going to look a little weird. Might look a little JV ish out there the first few weeks. But I guarantee we're going to see some crazy results. Almost guarantee it. I mean, <laughs> if all the if, if after week one, it's like, well, all the teams we thought were going to win win. I'm going to be really disappointed because, you know, again, we don't know who's doing what and who's got what. And that's the big thing of this. This whole preseason is nobody knows anything. So I want to see nobody knows anything on a you know results level. I want to see on a Friday. I look down there and go, see, we did. We had no idea. And I'm glad this whole season is just going to be one big unknown and we're not going to be able to predict anything that I'd love to see it. If it's just the same usual suspects, then, uh, but I'm really, really fired up. So, um, to get us to give us a little perspective on this season, but let's, let's jump in and talk to our, our first guest in what Pete, since we actually, we did this, we did a little bit of podcasting then during the summer when the pandemic hit, but we had Lou Marinelli on, but our first guest of the official 2021 season is not a coach, but as a player, it is Xavier quarterback Drew Crone. Joining us on the show is, of course, the starting quarterback for the Xavier Falcon senior, Drew Crone. Drew, how you doing? I, I'm dying to – Pete and I are sitting here talking about who we can have on the first podcast for the season. And I said, I'm sick of hearing from coaches. Sick of it. I've heard from coaches for the past two years. I want – other than the, the, the kids at the Capitol – I want to hear from from a high school football player about this upcoming season, all the craziness that we've been through and what we're going to go, what we're going to see for the rest of the season. Drew, first of all, thanks for joining us. Welcome. Sorry to put you on the spot, but here you are. Thanks a lot. Thank you guys for having me. I'm really excited. Well, I guess the first question is, you know, how stoked are you are to be playing football? I know how stoked. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty stoked. It's been way too long, and the whole team, we're really excited to get back out there and start playing. Tell me about this past two years. You know, um, I just, that's really what I, you know, I want to know. From the perspective of, you know, a, a kid, a, a guy who's, who's going to go on and play at the next level, you know, you, you lose last season. I know you're playing baseball, and you, you lost that season. You're going to UConn for that. But just what is this whole, I mean, you're growing up, you're a freshman, you're a sophomore, everything's going great. And all of a sudden you get this like anvil dropped on you, like, you know, you're Wiley Coyote. Um, you know, what's it like being a, a high school athlete in Connecticut during this pandemic? Yeah, it, it started, you know, two years ago in the spring when we missed our baseball season. And then at that time I was uncommitted. So it was a huge I was in like a frenzy on like how the recruiting process is going to work because it completely shut down and it was, it was crazy. And then luckily um, summer baseball still happened, you know, aside from the CIC, like, you know, summer baseball teams. So that, that helped me a lot. And then, um, and I thought we'd be good for the next fall because it was looking good. Numbers were doing all right in the summer. And then they spiked back up in the fall and we lost the uh, football season, which was devastating. Um, we got to play, you know, some seven on seven ball, but obviously, you know, 11, 11 is a million times better than that. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah. How that? did, how did you, um, what did you do then during that downtime other than the seven on seven? Were you watching film? 
or were you just not doing anything and just being like, all right, this, uh, this season's over. I, I guess I'll start back up a year from now. So we, we still had practices like it was regular season as best we could. I know there was like cohorts we had to follow and stuff like that, but as best as we could follow a regular practice schedule, we would do so. Um, and we would, you know, they came out with the little five or six game schedule. I forget what it was at, at one point, and we were going to do that. So then we started preparation for those teams that we were going to play. We had a couple new teams we haven't seen before, like in a regular season. Like I remember Manchester and a couple others that we started looking at their film. And then um, then when it, you know, officially got canceled and officially seven on seven was the only option. Um, we just did, you know, seven on seven practices. And, um, you know, I still still was in full football mode, even though I knew there was no season. But I definitely, um, you know, wasn't as focused or whatever you could say on football as I would be in a regular. Like I was still doing baseball pretty regularly during that instead of 100% football. How hard was it, Drew, to watch other states play? I mean, you and your teammates watching. Was that the hardest part, watching other teams play? That was 100% the hardest part. Because you see, you know, there's so many athletes in the state that, you know, it was a huge recruiting season for them. And then I know there was a ton of CIAC kids that had to leave and go down south to play. I know Prep had a couple of kids. Um, Luckily, it worked for them. But, um, you know, a lot of kids that whether they didn't have that opportunity or just didn't it didn't feel right for them. You know, they lost out on a whole season. They just had to watch other pretty much 48 out of 50 states play, except for, you know, us and a couple other New England. How big of a gut punch was it? Obviously, losing football was a big gut punch. But you're a multi-sport athlete who also played baseball in the spring before. Right. You know, a lot of athletes who are multi-sport athletes at least got one in some form or fashion. You lost two in a row. Yeah. Uh, How frustrating and a gut punch was that to be like, should I play soccer? Should I play (laughs) basketball? Literally. No, it was the back-to-back, you know, losing spring into fall was was horrible. Like, I I forget the actual date, but I – I played a, only one game in like the past year in a competitive sport. Like, and that's, wow. I've always been a kid that's played every single, you know, season. I, I used to play basketball back in freshman year, but uh, stopped, you know, the focus on baseball in the winters. But um, I was always a kid that never had a season off like my entire life growing up. And then having a year without a single competitive game, it was a huge switch for me. What was your sense? Did you think we should have played? I mean, I know a lot of listen, I know everybody who played football in the state, but a lot of kids, a lot went to Capitol. I don't know if you were one of them. Yeah, um, I was there. You were there. Yeah, so me too. You, yeah. to, to, you know, petition the governor. A lot of people were mad at the people who were in charge. Understandably, we are in a pandemic. We're in, we're in some unprecedented territory, but there was a lot of raw emotions. Did you feel like they listened to you when you guys did that, even though they did cancel the season? Uh, where did you feel like, I mean, I don't know. What, what did you think of that whole situation? Did you think we could have gone, really, I guess, the real question? I, the reason why I say I think we could have played is simply because they let hockey play in the winter. That's mm. the only reason. I, the positivity rate was way down in the fall than it was in the winter, and they still let hockey play. So because of that, you know, I feel like, we could have had a season, you know, whether it be wear our masks under our helmets. Like we, we literally do not care. We would have played in bubble wrap if we got to play. Yeah. Um, but, 
you know, I don't know, you know, what went into the decision stuff. I don't have like all the behind the scenes facts and stuff. Um, you know, I, I hope that they tried everything they could to let us play and maybe it just didn't work out. But um, I know we all wish we could have played and we all thought we could have as well. Did you watch any of the uh, independent games? So I, I didn't go to any of the independent games, but uh, I've seen on, on huddle some of the, uh, some of the teams that played. So I've been using that to scout some opponents. (laughs) (laughs) Always thinking ahead. I love it. Yeah. So you get spring season and then, uh, you know, going into this year, it looks like all sits and go. Give us a, take us through your, um, you know, how you became kind of like the, the, the face. Let's be honest. I mean, Drew, you were like the guy right, right there, front and center. You're protesting the governor. Now you're helping the governor and the CIAC kind of spread the message to get vaccinated. Take me through that and what went behind your decision to, to kind of, you know, be an advocate for that uh for that because you know let's be honest you know it, i i'm fine with being that i would I, I think everyone should get vaccinated i'm 100 percent behind that um that is going is going to get us out of here but there are some people who do not believe that and they're pretty vocal so yep. i mean that must have been kind of something that you had to maybe think about did you hear from anybody when you just take us through your decision to, to be you know a, a public face for that and then you know have you heard any kind of backlash from it so I found out probably a week before the hearing, um, my he- the headmaster at Xavier, Mr. Eustace, he, he texted me and called me and told me about, um, you know, what it was like and that they wanted me to do it. And I talked with, you know, my family about it. So I did it. And my message, I was trying to be as unpolitical as possible uh, the whole time. I didn't want to put politics into it at all, other than the fact that I want to play football. I know everybody else wants to play football and in order to play football, um, you know, being vaccinated helps with that because it gets rid of, you know, the quarantine, the, uh, the shutdowns and all that. So uh, as of now, that's really the only option we have. So I was trying to advocate it in a way that I wasn't picking either side of it. And um, I know uh, I didn't know this was going to happen, but, the governor actually like posted a little clip of me and like <laughs> shouted me out and said like, be like through and stuff. And when I saw that, I was like, Oh boy. And then I saw 280 comments underneath that. And it's just people, you know, don't be like Drew. Drew's a tool. Don't listen to Drew. Wow. Drew's oh my parents. God. So there was 280 hate comments on it. And I, I knew that came with the territory. So um, it wasn't, it wasn't really a big deal for me. And, you know, everybody's, you know, accusing me of this, accusing me of that. And, uh, you know, 99.9% of them, they're accusing me wrong because they don't know, you know, anything. They're just, they, they're saying I'm 18. They're saying, um, you know, I'm this, I have this stance, I have that stance. But um, so the, the hate comments were, they were pretty good. They, they got me a couple of good laughs. But, yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, I just, I just want to play football. And if that's the only option we have, I'm going to advocate for it. Absolutely. You know, be like Drew. If you're getting haters, you're doing something right. I just want to note that. That's what my dad (laughs) always told me. But I I guess it's this part. I mean, you know, listen, if you're going to be a quarterback at Xavier, you're going to be, you know, you know, bullseye on your back. I guess you got to be able to take that kind of stuff, huh? Right. No, it's always something that my dad has taught me how to deal with and stuff. So um, it really, I didn't, I didn't sweat it at all seeing all the hate comments. Yeah. Well, so you got that. When did you get vaccinated? So we held a clinic at Xavier 
um, well, through Xavier, it was actually at Wesleyan, but um, it was, our, I think my first shot was at the, uh, in the spring. And then I got my second one, like very early June, I think. So, um, or maybe even before that, but uh, yeah, I've been vaccinated for, yeah. you know, almost half any, a year now. Any issues? No. So I didn't have any side effects from either of the wow. shots. Look, I was, lucky you. Yeah. yeah no, I, I know a lot of people, you know, had to take work off or school off on the second one or whatever. But uh, luckily, I didn't have any problems with it. Uh, well, they told us we could take off of work if we like yeah, got the shot. So I was off. like, yeah. I was like, yeah, no, totally. I'm taking it off. Don't worry. Bud. Yeah. Drew, what is your sense? You think most kids are vaccinated? I know we're in Connecticut, and and the the we're our our percentage is higher than most states. I think we're up in the top one or two. I think we're like two. But what's your sense as far as like kids who are? I mean, I don't know what you really know. I mean, they can say whatever they want, but. What is your sense? You think a majority of kids here are vaccinated? Yeah, I think I don't remember the exact number, but I think uh, it's like 66 percent or something like that of kids like 16 to 18 or whatever it is. And I know I feel like, you know, most people I've talked to have said they are vaccinated. So, yeah. you know, that makes me think that, you know, majority of us athletes are are vaccinated. But I know. Um, you know, I know some kids that aren't, um, there's kids on their team that aren't vaccinated, you know, not a lot, but there's a, there's a couple here and there, but, um, so I'm sure every team is in the same boat with that, where they have a mixture of kids, but overall, I think, I think we have a pretty good amount of people that are vaccinated that are athletes. Well, like you said, you know, uh, it's between that or playing ball. I mean, let's, let's get vaccinated and play ball. And I think that was a, you know, I, I'm sorry you had to deal with the, <laughs> the government. That's the last thing you want in that situation. But you know what? Your message is a good one. You know, I you see a lot of the pro teams following, following suit, the college teams. You know, it seems like that's a, a big thing going on. So, you know, yeah. good for you getting up there and doing that and facing the fire, you know, <laughs> unfortunately and unnecessarily, I may add. You're an idiot if you came after Drew about that. But let's quickly talk about Xavier. You know, let's get all that fast. I got to see you guys up at Southington. Just got to score two times. Who scored the two TDs when Joe I was Barbagala. there? Who was that? Joe Barbagala. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, you guys look pretty good there. I know it's only a preseason scrimmage. You're going to get, you got the real one thing coming up. You got your buddies from NFA. Yep. Uh, so, you know, I mean, you're fired up. Play. What, what about Xavier this year? Is this year Xavier finally gets back that mojo from when you were, you know, maybe when you were growing up watching them. Is this yeah. the year Xavier gets it back? I really think so. Um, we did a very good job this summer. Uh, almost, we had almost perfect attendance for lifting this summer and conditioning. Uh, the coaches have been working insanely hard, prepping us with, you know, in the classroom, on the field, in the weight room. Um, we, we've worked really hard this summer, and, and we have the talent to, you know, to get the mojo back, back um, at Xavier. So I, I really think, you know, we have the, I don't know the exact number, but we definitely have one of the hardest schedules in the state. So, um, you know, a lot of the SEC matchups or, you know, the CT Lions games or whatever, those are, you know, sometimes coin tosses on who wins those because, you know, both teams are so well coached and uh, have talent. But, but I really think we have a really good group of guys and coaches that can make a serious run this year. Before you went to Xavier, did you watch Xavier games? Did you go to Xavier games? How how yeah. far back does like your history with Xavier go? So I, I wasn't, I didn't always know I was going to Xavier. Um, I was, my final decision came between East Catholic and Xavier. 
and don't uh, let them hear that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we, we used to always go to the Xavier games, you know, in 14, when they won the championship, uh, in 2012, uh, we, we went to those games, you know, at Palmer fields. Um, I remember we went to the Notre Dame game. Uh, I went to a game with Levis when they, he threw for like six touchdowns, but they lost North Haven in like double overtime. Oh, oh yeah. Sean was there. I was there. Yeah, <laughs> my, so, my opus. That was my, my video opus. Go, yeah. go ahead, Drew. Yeah. But, uh, I grew up going to the games just cause it was such high level football and I, I've loved football forever. So I would always go to those games when I could, you know, it feels like and as someone who started doing this in 2013, um, I've only seen like one Xavier or two Xavier championships, maybe, yeah. but it just feels like high school football is better in the state of Connecticut when Xavier is really good. Oh, listen to this, everybody. Yeah. I mean, I look, let's be honest here. And I, and I've told coach Gee on this numerous times, Xavier is the death star, right? The black yeah. and white star yeah. Wars death star. I mean, people love, they might not admit it, but people love when Xavier's good. Yeah. And I mean, I get a kick out of it myself personally, because people just love to get angry about stuff. And when Xavier's winning, they hate it, but they love it at the same time, at least yeah. in my in my experience. No, I, I agree with you. I know, you know, the, some of the best years of football is when Xavier, you know, has been at the top or, you know, making a run in the playoffs and stuff. Those just every game is competitive that they play and everybody, you know, the when we're good, the games sell out you know, almost instantly there are people traveling from all over the state to come watch Xavier play. So it's really fun when, when Xavier is good. Sure. What, what's been the toughest part about getting back after having no time? You know, I know you guys had passing leagues and stuff, but you know, the linemen, they didn't get it much. Right. Um, the defenses didn't get to hit people. You know, what has been the hardest part about getting back into the football season for everybody? I mean, a lot of kids didn't play at a varsity level two years ago that are playing this year. So that's a huge thing. I think on our team, uh, if I, we probably had five or six guys that, you know, got some time as sophomores and of those five or six guys, two of them left. So, so we only have, you know, four or five guys with varsity experience, but that's, that could be more than other teams. So, you know, that gives us a little head start maybe, but the hardest part is definitely, you know, with the, with the linemen, I would say, and the defenders, but um, we have a great line this year. Um, they're, we have a couple of seniors on a couple of juniors, but, uh, they've been doing a great job. They've been working really hard and, you know, learning the offense and, uh, following their schemes and stuff. So, you know, I'm not too worried about it, but, uh, it's definitely, they have the hardest job on the field and, and they have, haven't been able to really pr play or practice. What about, you know, your quarterback at Xavier and you, know, you come from, you know, it's all, that's a pretty good list. There are guys who came before you, you mentioned Will Levis who's he had a great first uh he's, he's making a splash there at uh Kentucky as we've seen you know not just with his arm but he's doing some weird things over there uh we'll talk about that in a second but then also Tim Boyle obviously you know uh you know what's it like being a quarterback at Xavier and uh, you know you're not gonna play next the you're not gonna kind of move on like that you're gonna go play you come for baseball and yeah you know it's just what's that like uh I'm I'm actually pretty close with both those guys um I would say Tim a little more than Will, but Will was, you know, he, when I was considering uh, Xavier and East Catholic, I was, you know, kind of caught in the middle. Will actually, you know, reached out to me uh, 
you know, he got my number and he actually reached out to me and, you know, was answering all my questions about Xavier, was telling me about Xavier and stuff. And he was a huge part in helping me make my decision. So uh, I give him a lot of credit for having me end up at Xavier. But um, so that kind of got me close to Will because, you know, in eighth grade, like on my shadow days when I come in, I'd talk to Will and stuff because yeah. he was a senior at that time. So he, you know, he was a big key in that. I still text him here and there. Like I congratulate him when he's, you know, having a good game or whatever. And then, you know, he congratulated me like when I committed to UConn and stuff. And then with Tim, uh, Tim comes back to the school, you know, a decent amount during the off season and when he can. I throw with Tim and Tim's guys, Tim's receivers a lot. Uh, we throw together, we do film, we do classroom together. So uh, Tim's been a huge part in my development as a quarterback. That's, that's a pretty good guy to, to pick a brain of. Yeah, definitely. Do they ever uh, give you any crap about uh, going to play baseball or what? No, they, uh, they, they haven't said anything about okay. that, um, <laughs> which is good. But um, no, I wish I, wish I could have. You know, kept the little quarterback chain going with the uh, with the collegiate football. Ah, you'll be fun. Well, so, uh, Drew, Drew's a pretty good baseball player for those who might not, you know, know. Drew, yes, he's going to UConn. I've seen the kid play. He put one onto the Wilbur Cross Parkway. That's all I'm saying. I saw it. It happened. It was a bomb. <laughs> Tell us all about now. Will Levis eating a full banana on TV and making a big splash nationally. What are all the kids, Xavier? By by full banana. You know, peeling everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So he he's always been a big social media guy. I see him doing different challenges left and right, like catching punts with one hand. Uh, I remember he ran like a mile backwards for charity or something like that back in high school <laughs> or whatever. But um, I remember I I saw it, you know, on like Sports Center at night or something. I come into school the next day. I tell my our offensive coordinator, Coach Jaska, I say, did you see that video of Will Levis? And he's like, no, what are you talking about? I go, look up Will Levis banana on YouTube. He's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> and I'm like, just do it. And then he sees it, and he's like, I cannot believe this kid. But, um, no, I feel like I'm, you know, obligated to try it now. Oh, man. Oh, please Will do. Will you try Will Drew Cron take the Levis challenge? That's the big question. Yeah. Uh, maybe this week we'll see. I mean, he went viral. He was uh, the video was on Good Morning America. Yeah, no, he he got a lot of press for that. Yeah, and reporters doing it on the sidelines of their game yesterday. It's pretty much every time they mention Will Levis, they mention a banana with him. It's Eustace, he he tweeted, "I can promise you, he never learned that at Xavier." Just distancing <laughs> yeah. himself <Yeah>. from Will. <laughs> That's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And uh, look at Xavier. I mean, and then he goes out, he backs it up. He goes out and has a great game for Kentucky. He lights it up there against, uh, uh, you know, against uh, UL. Uh, what was it? Uh, who did they play? Monroe, UL. Monroe. Oh, yeah, UL Monroe. Monroe whatever. Right. So, you know, Xavier making waves all over the place. But uh, that, that's just a hysterical scene. If you want to go try it, go be our guest. We did not advocate for it, though. I swear to God. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> if everybody wants to take the Levis challenge and kind we would not be adverse to watch. Yeah, look, if you want to just send us videos of people trying to eat a full banana, you know, maybe we'll post it on our Instagram account. Maybe we won't. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> anyway, so so Drew, listen, we're really excited to see you this year. You know, obviously that first game is going to be a big one. You know, you not a lot you can tell us about uh, NFA, right? Nobody has any real film, right? No, I mean we have their practice uh, scrimmage or whatever. Um, so we've been seeing, I know I'm sure they were 
very blunt with it, didn't show too much because they know we're seeing the film. We put a lot of effort into scouting them. So um, we're, we're picking up on little things, trying to really break them down. So, um, yeah, I mean, we don't know much about their guys because off the top of my head, I only know one guy uh, that played as a sophomore on that defense uh, with D'Angelo. He's, uh, yeah. he's playing safety now. So um, that's really all we know for the personnel stance. But, um, you know, they've they pretty much have, you know, they've been running a similar defense for a while. They play us, you know, a pretty similar way almost every year. Uh, they Sometimes they switch a couple things up front. But yeah. um, so we, we've been prepping for them. It's a, it's been a good game recently. I mean, of all the uh, you guys have started the season. I think the last this will be the third straight year you start off the season with. I think, and yeah. it's been a, it's been a really interesting game every single time. I know that's a barn burner a few years ago, so it should be a fascinating one. And then you jump right into it. You guys have a rough schedule. We won't get too much into it. We're just happy you guys are back playing ball again. And uh, we're now the last time on the football field for you. We'll see you in the spring and everything. But uh, we're anxious to watch you. We can't wait. Yeah, same here. I can't wait to play. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Drew. Appreciate All right, it. All right, Drew. Coming on, giving us a little insight here. Good luck this season, and uh, we'll see you out there. Best wishes. Thank you guys for having me. <laughs> Later, Drew. Well, Pete, that was Drew Crone, and uh, <laughs> what a great kid. Just great. Uh, we knew he was going to be a great guest. Thanks, Andy Guion, for uh, allowing him to come on and talk, us, talk with us a little bit before practice. Um. Anxious to see what they are all about. But even if Xavier does not win a game, which is not possible, I think they will win many. But even if they don't win a game, you know, they have a great leader in Drew Crone. And he's I appreciate him standing up, telling everybody, get vaccinated. Let's just play ball, please, please. And I appreciate all the haters can just get lost. Be like Drew. Yeah. That's all I got to say. Be like Drew. 100%. Vaccines work. Get vaccinated. If you don't trust, call your doctor. Talk to your doctor, please. But uh, thanks for Judah for for coming on and giving us a little dropping a little knowledge for us. And uh, I believe the children are our future, as uh, Whitney Houston said. And Drew is uh, certainly giving us hope that uh, we are in good hands as far as uh, uh, as far as uh, you know our the next generation goes. So thank you, Drew, for joining us. So with all that said, let's get to the top 10. What everyone is here for, we're going to bring on our columnist, Jeff Jacobs, to talk about the top 10. It dropped on Game Time CT a little earlier this week, and this is the first time you and I are talking about it extensively. And, of course, we're going to bring Jeff on each week to talk about the top 10 and some of the uh, some of the good stories that are going on. He's going to be joining us every week. So let's just jump on, jump in with that right now. Joining us on the show is, of course, the new well, the old, but the new Game Time CT full-time columnist. He's joining us. He's dropping all the, if you read his column this week, he's dropping all his Heisman vote, and his Baseball Hall of Fame vote, so he can vote in the top 10. It's Jeff Jacobs. Jeff has been doing a ton of work for us this uh, this uh, this preseason. Jeff, welcome to the podcast. How you doing? Hey, Sean. Hey, Pete. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, I uh, Kurt, Kurt Schilling won't have me to kick around anymore. Uh, I, <laughs> no, I, I will I, tell you, some of these fans, though, <laughs> might be worse. Worse. You will yeah. get a ton of feedback for the poll. Yeah, yeah, it, it's interesting. It was, uh, I, I really firmly believe when you don't cover something actively, you shouldn't try to uh, be part of something that you shouldn't be. So after several years, giving up the Hall of Fame vote uh, and a lot of angst there, giving up the Heisman Trophy vote uh, to focus solely on this, 
as I hit the twilight of my own career. And I will say back when I started, back when I was a young pup and Jimmy Carter was president, uh, I used to take calls at the Port Huron Times Herald in Michigan, like, okay, Port Huron Northern one, Maryville two, Brown City eight, Bad Axe nine. So I do have experience of taking the calls, just not voting on it. They, they had a coach's poll. And we have an all-knowing poll instead. Well, you know, <laughs> so you're joining us. You're voting in this poll for the first time. You know, what did you, as a first-time voter, you talked a little bit about what you were looking at yeah. and what you you know, what you what you thought about. I mean, you, you had to solicit my opinions and Pete's opinions and Ned Griffin's opinions, Mike DeMauro. We all kind of give you some pointers. But at the end of the day, it was just you with the, you with the, you with the pen in the booth. That was it. And uh, what did what did you come up with? What did you what did you think? It's a lonely feeling there. The one thing that you got that you guys I I introduced and you guys helped me on and and got me thinking got it all got the old noodle percolating is is uh, the the classic when should a poll really start and how much you, how much is get well, this year it's obviously so much guesswork after a year off but even any year when should a poll really start preseason fir first week second week the old entertainment value versus accuracy because sometimes you can put a team up top and you can't move them when somebody else is really better below them and voters get stubborn. And the other one that's kind of uniquely at the high school is the romance of picking that state champion from class S or class M when deep in our heart, we know that like a team that didn't quite make the playoffs out of class double L or got knocked out in the first round is really better than them head on head. Those are a couple of things that were knocking around my my noodle. And uh, in talking to some people, um, my top seven, I felt like was in line with everybody else. It, it was after there, and and I peeked at a few votes, and, and votes like eight through 15, the people, I think they were all over the place. So you want to talk about the results first, and I'll kind of... Yeah, sure. Well, let's, let's roll that. We're going to go back. We're going to go from top 10 to top one and then you can kind of fill in the blanks there we're going to roll through it and then i'm going to ask for you for your thoughts uh on on these uh on this top 10 this is as we mentioned the unprecedented we have no idea nobody played football last year other than a few independent games and that's the just the general gist i get from all these coaches what we have no idea just based on hearsay it's even more hearsay than normal it's like you know i'm wondering who's going to be who's the mole and who's putting all the thoughts in our heads because there are a bunch of teams that people liked but uh the hearsay who knows i mean at the end of the day we're finally going to get out there and figure this out so number 10 is killingly your your uh, your guys up in the quiet corner there the class m's runner runners up from two years ago they got jack sharp back and uh, that was a lot uh, good enough for a lot of voters. At number ten is Killingly. Coming in there at number nine is the is the perennial champs and Sonia, uh, Tom Brockett's crew. You know, I I I heard a little bit about them in the preseason. Got a got a quick glance at them, and they might be ranked a little bit too high. We'll have to see about that. Tom says it might be his greatest coaching challenge yet. But they come in at number nine. Lots of respect for the Chargers. Coming in at number eight, the darling teams. Of uh, this of this season, at least this preseason, is Xavier. Everybody wants Xavier to be good. They come in at number eight. They got Drew Crone at quarterback, and uh, and Andy Guion and the guys. Hopefully, getting this team 
back to where they belong, which is competing for state championship. Haven't won one since 2014. Coming in at number seven is another legacy program, Mike Drury's Southington Blue Knights. They've been in the state playoffs basically almost every single year since Mike's been there. And they won a couple of state championships. Haven't won one since 2014. But again, another team, lots of respect, played some independent ball last fall. They come in at number seven. Coming in and talk about more respect. New Canaan comes in at number six. Lou Marinelli's team. Uh, don't know a whole heck of a lot about the Rams this year, but given their pedigree, they have not missed out on the state playoffs since 2004, which is the first year I started covering football hardcore in Connecticut. So it tells you how long ago that was. Coming in at number five, the Darling teams from Newtown. At number five, the class double L champion from two years ago. Everyone knows the story. Won it on the seventh anniversary of Sandy Hook on a walk-off touchdown pass, beating a legacy big-time blue blood team like Darianne, which was looking for its fourth title in five years. Newtown actually is the first team in our top ten. They're the fifth, number fifth ranked team. They're the first one to get four to get first place votes, and they got four. Coming in at number four was, was a team a lot of people expected to be. In the picture for number one last year, and that's Greenwich. They only get two first place votes, um, more than that's that's two less than Newtown, but they come in over the uh, the the Hawks. You know they don't have uh, AJ Barber anymore, but they do have his brother uh, Chase and Barber, and uh, you know it's not probably not the team people thought it was going to be um, from last year, but they're still getting a ton of respect at number four. Number three is the Class L runners up from two years ago at Daniel Hand again another. It's been two years. We have a new coach. We have a whole new cast of characters. A lot of familiar names because a lot of brothers and uh, fathers have all played. Now these are the this is the team uh, of all the all the new kids, and we have a new coach, uh, Eric Becker. And number two is Saint Joseph at number two, and that means our number one team is Darianne with seven first place votes. Saint Joseph gets five. The Blue Wave has been talked up all throughout the pre preseason. I haven't met a coach yet who didn't think Blue Wave uh, weren't going to be good this year. So a lot of that uh, that talk has been percolating. And there you go. That is our top 10. Darian is number one. And I don't think that's a bad – I think it's a safe pick to start. Yeah, I I, uh, I had Darian number one for two reasons. I had heard nothing but powerhouses. And also, after offending so many people in town there uh, – four years ago when they deserved to be number one in the field, but I wrote they shouldn't be for their behavioral problems off it right. and managed to anger everyone in, in the, their fair town. I, I'm kissing up to them early. So, uh, so it might be a new leaf for us at uh, taking the blue wave, man. It sounds like a, uh, walking on sunshine type of moment, but <laughs> I, I'm going to, we're going to, we're going to start out there. I had Newtown second. I heard a lot. It's interesting. They had four, they had four first place votes. So, you know, I heard they were really good. I went hand three, St. Joe's four, Greenwich five, little, little you know, they, uh, that was sort of, what a lot of people had just a little off at Southington six and New Canaan seven. So my top seven are the, are the pole seven. So I, I, it doesn't, it looks like I'm really kind of uh conservative and uh, playing close to the vest. My first time out eight through 15, I'm telling you, man, I looked at some of the votes. They were all over the place. And I, it, the, the Insonia Killingly thing. Now, I live out in Eastern Connecticut and Ch Chad Neal's my bud and everything. I have all the respect for Killingly. I don't think they're 10th right now. I had them 15th and I didn't even have Insonia in my top 15. I had Bloomfield uh, 14th. 
Uh, But those are kind of what I think is they people know that those class S and M schools will have big records and uh, they'll be 10 and 0 or 9 and 0, 9 and 1. And they're they're you can argue in that way, which I don't think. And we had a lot of discussion about that uh, when I talked to you and Ned, uh, I did my, 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 my column the other day was like it's harder to fit in those big double L and L schools after they've lost to the very top ones. you know, in, in, in bigger games. I had Maloney eighth. And I'm really, rooting, and I really rooting for Angel Arce, you know, the quarterback, come, I wrote a column about him coming back from a bicycle accident. He was messing around, holding the handle of a car, and hit a, hit a, hit a pothole, nearly killed himself, but he's back. And they're, they're good. They're going to be good. No one's mentioned this team, but I heard these guys are going to be good. I had Windsor ninth. And I Trumbull, which is really big and really has a lot of players, tenth. I may, I think I'm already second guessing myself, and I'm, all, I'm just making it public. I had Xavier eleventh, and if I had overdue again, I I think I'd have him in the top ten. I would have him in the top ten, somewhere eight, nine, ten, somewhere I, around. There. I uh, I'm just going to interject quickly. I I will say I had Xavier at three. Ooh, oh, yeah. there's some people I, I read. I had Xavier at three and I had Windsor at 11. Like you mentioned, I had Bristol central at 13 and all of those that I mentioned all Mm -hmm. have returning quarterbacks. And I think that is going to be so valuable. The first couple of weeks of the season, having drew crone, having angel Arcee, having Victor Rosa, having Cromarty at Windsor. I think that is really going to be telling early in the year, having a quarterback. And I was looking at it and I was like, Ooh, I did vote Xavier three. Maybe that, so maybe they pushed him up, but maybe maybe it'd be ninth right now. It wasn't for you. Yeah, I think I got him in the top ten. <laughs> but I know they're gonna be good. I and, and I had Fairfield Prep in uh, NFA at uh, twelve and thirteen. Let, let's let's quickly talk about teams that probably Larry. First of all, does everyone think Darian number one is a good pick? That, right, everyone. Yeah, good, right? I, I don't have a problem with that at all. I think it's a good safe pick. Yeah. Anybody you think is ranked too high? Uh, the sea full of dumbfounded faces. Yeah, yeah Antonia, Antonia, <laughs> and, and killing. Oh, you said killing before. That's right. Antonia and killing. Yeah, on the on the. Um. So yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. I think Antonia way too high. So I'm against Shelton. Very, very. Uh, I mean, unless Tom didn't bring half his squad, uh, they looked really young, and there weren't a lot of them. And uh, you know, I wasn't even that impressed. I wasn't even that impressed with Shelton, but. Uh, you know, I, I think Antonia has got some work to do. And I think Tom acknowledges that. I think he knows that uh, he's got some work to do. Now, will they win the share of NVL games? Probably. You know, will they win eight games? Probably, at least. Can they win more than that? That's the big question. And that's usually what it comes down to. Uh, you have, uh, you know, some interesting games. There's obviously Nogtuck's really, really trying to vie, go go after the Chargers this year. So, but I, you know, I, I like Killingly maybe a 10. I think that's fine. I think I had them in my lower five. Um, you know, I, I actually picked Newtown number one. I, I have Newtown as number one. I heard a lot of great things about them, but you know what? I probably should have went with Darian, but uh, I'm glad they're number one. I think, you know, I think you're looking at a Newtown Darian right now. I think those are your two St. Joseph at two, a lot of respect and deserved respect because they've won three state championships since we last left them in three different classes. And now they're back in L they're going to defend that. But it has been two years, and what are they going to look like now? A lot of familiar names on this on their roster, but what are they going to look like now, and can they get through their gauntlet? Hand is another one. I, I'm not quite sold on the 
on the uh, Tigers yet. I hear they've got a lot of great guys. You know, you Schweitzer you talk about. You talk about, you know, Flanagan, a quarterback. I hear great things about him. Becker, though, first-year coach. You know, it's it's going to take a little bit of while. I think it's going to take a little while for them to get together. they got a huge one at Fairfield Prep, which has got something to improve, too. Prep, another team I voted for. They're not in the top ten. Other teams I thought that belong to Maloney, as you mentioned, I think they got very undersold. Right. We'll see when they play Southington week one. Cheshire is another team that I actually voted for in the top 10. Now, it might be a little high, but I, right before I, I heard that they'd actually beat Windsor, a team that I was pumping up and you mentioned. Right. Um, and I have Windsor in there, New Canaan, Bristol Central, another team that I threw in there, and Simsbury I threw in there. But I, what I should have done is after I talked to Mars Petrosio and Trumbull, it looks like, as you mentioned, Trumbull is going to be really good. They might be a really good one, but they got to go to Staples, Mars's old haunt in week one to figure that out. But overall, you know, considering we don't know a lot about the season and it's going to be a big toss up, I think it's a pretty decent top 10. Yeah. Uh, Eric Becker was teasing me uh, when I told him it was my first vote. He goes, vote us anywhere. Could you vote us anywhere in the top 10 except for one? Yeah. You know, I, it's really, you know, not that Hans always accepted uh, its responsibility, but it's sort of like it could be a very false burden if you get a one and you don't deserve it. You know, uh, Newtown, it's funny that Newtown's fifth, but they got four first place votes. And I don't want to call St. Joe's overrated, but I have a feeling that them in hand are kind of three, four ish. You know what I mean? And not one, two ish. Uh, I it, think I think Newtown, unfortunately, with the same respect that New Canaan has, uh, St. Joe's has, yeah. you know, Greenwich. I think a lot of people looked at Newtown and said, cool, they did it two years ago, but they hadn't done it beforehand. So prove it again. Because right. getting four place votes is 120 points in the poll. I mean, those are 30 points each, and I also voted Newtown one. Um, you know, that means that a lot of people didn't have them that high up, which I think is kind of a disrespect yeah. in terms of the opposite of the other teams and programs that we're, quote-unquote, respecting. That's a good point. If you guys – if you two had them number one and I had them number two, that's a lot of people that didn't have them one or two. That's a lot and of people maybe, that might not have had them in the top five. five. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I mean, they lost – they lost a lot of points from other voters, but I, I think I tweeted this out Saturday night. Like there's going to be, or Sunday night after I sent my poll in, like there might be five teams that aren't in the top 10 that are going to end up in the top 10 at the end of the season. And we have no idea who they are. Uh, right. A big reason for that. I'm going to just interject this here is the wild schedules. The schedules are a lot of these are schedules are a lot of, all over the place. This, the, the, uh, the teams, that are in the top 10 all have ridiculous schedules. And there's a lot of other teams kind of bubbling beneath the surface. Maybe minus Xavier, their schedule's ridiculous. But they're bubbling beneath the surface, didn't do so well. They have the easier schedules. So I'm curious how much that's going to play into this whole thing. How much, you know, th these teams are going to be knocking each other off versus teams that are maybe below it. Maybe, you know, are in a CCCC Division Three, like a Bristol Central. How are they going to, how are they going to do? And is that going to, so a lot of, a lot of voters don't consider team schedule and who they played you know, when it, when you get through about seven weeks of the season, you kind of forget. Yeah. I mean, if Maloney beat Southington in week one, Maloney's going to jump up to the top 10 and Southington's going to fall right out, even though Maloney should be there and Southington, if they lose that game should stay there. But the way that we've seen the votes is if Southington loses to Maloney, Southington will fall out. Maloney will jump in. I mean, that's just I, what we've seen. I will say this. 
and, and talking to you guys beforehand too, this is a year where the voting, if they're really thoughtful, has to be flexible and adroit, uh, not being afraid to move some people in and out uh, because we have a lot of preconceived notions here. And like Sean, when we were talking the other day, you're talking about there's, there should, there's gonna be some wild scores. Uh, and that happens when you have a situation like you do for not playing in a couple of years, but then those teams might bounce back with some adjustments as any team does, but really this year in particular bounce back and then become much better teams than they were in, in week one. So I, I, you really, uh, I, I don't think anybody should buckle into anything right now. That's why I hesitate criticizing anybody because uh, every, every, team that was mentioned here i made a list of i think it with 21 teams you know like like out of all four everybody was mentioned there so <laughs> there might be 22 and 23 out there too that that i, that I haven't thought about but uh that's why and i'll tell you what if i if if i have a really good team especially i have some older guys and i'm down in the vote man i'm playing that up right boys <laughs> oh the yeah. experts don't <laughs> Experts don't think you're anything coming in. I can tell you, I can almost (laughs) guarantee that Kevin Frederick will be posting this poll in the locker room heading into that Southington game. Okay, Pete, that was uh, Jeff Jacobs joining us. Talk a little top 10. Uh, Like like we all said, you know, I'm not not a whole lot of surprises there, but I'm sure there's going to be some teams going like, what, you didn't vote us? And they're going to take that to heart, right? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be some bulletin board material um, for the first top 10 poll. But I think, you know, I understand coaches using it to motivate the kids, and they should. But we really don't really know what's going to happen until games are started to be played. So those are our, I'm assuming, the best guesstimate. Right. Yeah. I mean, like we said, we'll see. So, um, you know, join us a little bit later. We're going to drop another version that we're going to have an extra extra part of the show which is our pick section this has been the podcast for this week we're going to try and do a few new different things and we'll try to get a little video going on here since that's what the big big takeaway from uh, all sticking and staying inside all all last summer and the and the the year the t- last two years that we all learned how to use like um, remote video and now we can kind of throw this kind of stuff and we're going to try and get that to you every week you know it's a work in progress we're not tv producers like our boys over at wtnh or or channel three or any of those guys are general 12, uh, but uh, we're going to do our best here to give you a little stuff from our cameras and, and, and stuff like that. So we appreciate Jeff coming on, talking a little bit about the top 10. We appreciate Drew Cohn coming on, talk a little football with us. Pete, I'm anxious to get out there. Let's stop talking. Let's stop reading previews. Let's get out and watch the football games. Huh? Absolutely. Can't wait to get out there Thursday, Friday, and there Saturday. Uh, I think I'm going to go to the Will Be and Sonia game on Thursday just to see it. I need to see it with my eyes that we're back playing. Uh, Friday, I'm going to go up to Southington for Maloney Southington. And then Saturday, not sure yet. Got to look at the schedule. Got to got to plan my uh, trip on uh, Google Maps. Yeah, Saturday seems like it's going to be a kind of a hit wherever you can go today. But, you know, I'm still uh, I'm looking at that either that hand Fairfield prep game or, you know, Mars going back to Staples. That's going to be fascinating. Uh, and maybe Staples, despite all of our predictions, which we will hear on another show, uh, will we'll, we'll show up and show us something there. But that's going to be a podcast this this week. Little, you know, we're still kind of going through the not going through most, but still trying to learn our steps. We here. still got to get into our in midseason. Yeah, we're form. not in midseason four by any stretch of the imagination. It's clearly obvious as you know, I'm stumbling all over my words and trying to figure this out. But I think we're going to call that a podcast. So for Pete Paguaga. 
I'm Sean Patrick Bowley. We're back. This has been the Meat Grinder on Game Time CT. I love you all.